Welcome back for another episode of What The Heck Is A One Man Podcast And today's episode is called Comedy So, stand-up comedy I had a period for around three or four years Probably around four years Where I was a gigging comedian I was going up and down the country I was filling gaps, I was doing middle spots, I was doing open spots, and I was doing open mic nights, and a lot of competitions as well. And throughout that time, you learn your craft, you develop more material, you develop your performance skills as a stand-up comedian, being able to control a room, being able to settle a room being able to just adapt to what is put in front of you. And honestly, even after four years, it was still a learning curve every single gig. There's not a handbook you can read and be like, right, I'm good to go now. I know what to do every time I get on stage. It's such a learning curve. And what an eye-opener it was, an absolute eye-opener. One thing I love about comedy is what you put into comedy you will get back out of it. It's not the type of industry that you can just go in and you are instantly the master of your craft within weeks or a year or a couple of years. It's a continuing learning cycle and it's not for the faint-hearted. It really isn't. To be honest, I'm quite glad I came into comedy at the age that I did. I feel like I came into comedy with a bit more of a mature head. I had a vision in mind with where I wanted to get with comedy and what I wanted to use it for because I never wanted to be a comedian. I always wanted comedy as a additional string to my bow. So in today's episode, what I'm going to talk about is my first ever stand-up comedy gig. But before we get to the gig, we need to understand the nuts and crannies of what's going on to lead me to that gig. So at the time, I was studying at Manchester School of Acting and I was making good progress. I had just signed with an agent, which on the back of their recommendation, I got through the door with. At this point, I had no actual credits to my name. So whilst I was still making a name for myself, going out there auditioning, I wanted something I could take control of and something that I could invest my time into and a bit of a new challenge. I'd noticed as well that a lot of breakdowns in the acting industry, you can rule yourself out if you've not got any comedy experience. What's better than actually going out there and getting some comedy experience? Because you have full control of that. Whatever you put in, you get back out. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. I wrote a script as a character act. So I wasn't going to get on stage as myself. I felt comfortable in a character and when I, when I was at uni, I developed a character called Polish Rick. Now, Polish Rick would, well, was used to get out of situations and scenarios that I didn't want to be in. So I would just pretend to be Polish. I'd put my acting skills to use and it would get me out of awkward situations if I didn't know the person. Example, you're walking down the street. Excuse me, have you got two minutes to talk about your phone? Uh, my uh, my uh, English uh, is not that... Uh, <laughs> it's not uh, great. 
Um, and they don't want to know. Don't worry, sir. You enjoy your day. See you later. In a bit, mate. Take it easy. It would get me out of certain situations. And that eventually translated to me using Polish Rick whilst on the doors. The door lads I worked with absolutely loved Polish Rick. I started the doors at the age of 18. I think when I was around 19, 20, I was working with people that were, you know, a good 10, 15 years older than me. And I was a bit of fresh blood to the team, so to speak. <laughs> and for me to do Polish Rick was just something that had not really been, they, they had never seen anything like that on the doors. And it was bringing an element of fun to the job again for them. And they loved it. I was put on the front door with all these like seasoned door staff whilst I was at uni. And I was just having a time of my life. I was just literally having fun with Polish Rick. So it made sense to me when I was writing a set to do, a five minute set that I use Polish Rick. I had a lot of Polish friends at uni. I worked with a lot of Polish people in the security industry. I had the accent down. And if I was ever in doubt, I would always ask them and run it by a few of my colleagues and friends. They were always more than helpful. So at Manchester School of Acting, there was a comedian that came to the classes who was in one of my classes. And he was called Steve Harris. He is a veteran comedian in the comedy circuit and he is fucking hilarious. Steve is one of my best friends and he's the reason that I got on stage on the night that I did, which I will touch on as we get to it. So Steve was in my class. It turned out he was a comedian and he wanted to also be an actor. And I was an actor that also wanted to be a comedian. So I felt like straight away me and Steve had mutual interests and we would get on. Turns out we did. I fucking hate him now, but that's a different story for another time. Jokes, I love you, Steve. I asked Steve if I was to run a script by him, would he have a look over it? Could he let me know what he thought of it? He agreed. We met for a coffee before a class and I presented him my script. I showed it to him. To be honest, I was kind of hoping he was going to say, change this, maybe add this bit or switch that bit up and give me some advice on how he thought I should deliver it and do it. I'll be honest with you. He basically gave me fuck all. I showed him the script and the best thing he could have done is what he did, which was say, just do it. Get on stage and just do it. And we'll see what works and we'll see what doesn't work. And I realised pretty quickly that you can put anything down on paper and it can come across really funny. But you're not going to know until you actually get on stage and deliver it. Because if the audience thinks it's shit, then it's shit. But if you're writing it down thinking, well, this is definitely going to be really good. And then you get on stage and deliver it and it's not really good. Your ass is going to absolutely fall out. And I'm pretty sure Steve looked at my material and thought, yeah, that bit looks good. That bit looks all right. Oh, I don't know about that bit, but... Who knows? He's probably had it in his experience where he's said something off the cuff, which maybe wasn't even funny, or he added it in reluctantly just to fill a bit of time, and it might be his best bit. So with his experience, he'd looked at it, and 
he was just like, Rick, you just go and try it, just do it. So I booked in at the Frog and Bucket. It's a five-minute competition. You basically got to survive for five minutes without getting carded off. And if you survive, then you end up going into a clap-off at the end. To this day, though, I wouldn't have done it without Steve. I wouldn't have got on stage if Steve wasn't there that night. I absolutely was shitting myself. I remember I drove to Morrison's car park and I literally just practised and practised and practised the set over and over and over as if it was an acting script, as if I was a character called Polish Rick and I was getting on stage taking the piss out of English people. And that was my way in, that the English would be like, who the fuck is this man taking the piss out of me? And I would just continue to just give them shit but be on their side. So on the actual night, on the running order, I was down to go up as the first act in the second half, which was a beautiful little spot. But the competition in the first half was fucking amazing. And... It wasn't the first gigs. You could clearly tell it wasn't the first gigs. Some people were there trying to impress the Frog and Bucket because they'd not gigged there before. They wanted to show them what it was about, who they were. And I believe there was a Scottish comedian called Gary McKell. I'm really sorry if I've got your second name wrong, but he's gone on to do absolutely loads of stuff now. I'm pretty sure one of his videos went viral, but what a comedian. And I saw him on stage and I walked out. Because he was so fucking good. He was fucking amazing. He was the first act on. And it's always the hardest spot. It's always the hardest spot. My spot was like the beauty spot to get them when they've got a bit of liquor in them. They're warmed up. They're ready in case I'm shit. And they're ready in case I'm good. But I walked out. And I stood outside and I was like, look, Steve, can't do this. I can't go up against that. I cannot go up against that. It was an absolute nightmare for me in my head I, I was ready to go and Steve followed me out and he was he stopped me he physically stopped me from walking away because I was going to just stop there I thought fuck that like I was going to make an absolute dick of myself this guy's come up smashed it clearly clearly knows his way around the stage and how to handle a room this was my first ever gig it was so daunting so fucking daunting reluctantly I hung around and I thought, fuck it, I'm just going to get on stage, I am going to run my material, and I'm just going to fuck off all. That was my plan. That was my actual plan. They got the running order messed up. So one lad went on before me because he had to leave early because he had come from Wales. And he got on stage, and his first couple of minutes were shocking. All of a sudden, he just come out with something so fucking racist. I can't remember exactly what he said, and obviously I'm not going to repeat it. The music went off to say that it failed and it wasn't accepted. He left instantly. I'm pretty sure the doorman was um, ready for throwing him out. And him and his mates left. And I had to follow that. I had to follow that. And he was a small white lad, really stocky. And you could clearly tell that this lad was probably the barrel of laughs between this group of lads. The one who's always cracking jokes, everyone finds that funny, and they've all egged him into doing comedy, going, do you know what? You should do comedy. You're really funny. Let's get you on stage. They did it in Manchester because they clearly didn't want to lose any street cred in case he was shit doing it at home. And rightly so, because he was 
fucking appalling. I had to follow it and I thought instantly I need to get on stage and address it because it was going to be, it was awkward enough anyway. You could just tell the atmosphere in the room had really changed from a comedy night to, oh shit, that was racist. That's not easy to overcome and the compare, Pete absolutely smashed it in resetting the room, which is an art in itself. So Pete reset the room, he got me on and straight away he introduces Polish Rick. Now, I don't know if there is a misconception, but apparently there's a lot of racist Polish people. And I am following someone who has just been racist, so I ought it best (laughs) to let them know that I wasn't racist. And at the time, I think I was around 17 stone, so I was a big, tall white man, stocky as fuck, and Polish. (laughs) So I addressed it straight away, made a joke that, I am coming on as basically this guy's dad because I'm twice the size of him. I'm also Polish, but I'm not racist. And the audience just absolutely lapped it up. That won the crowd over straight away. I could My set was absolutely shocking. I've listened back to it. I got Steve to record it for me. And it was that initial moment by just addressing what had gone on that the crowd at that point accepted me for... Yeah, there was like, yep, this guy's sound. Now, I'm a big believer that if you can get on stage as a comedian and present yourself in a way that people accept you for who you are and they can relate to you, you can pretty much say anything you want. You can pretty much say anything you want. Obviously, you know, not like fucking knobhead before me. But I couldn't have asked for a better crowd that night. They knew it was my first ever gig I had got them on side straight away by siding with them, calling this fucking racist out, and they lapped me up. They absolutely lapped me up. My set and my material, even to this day, I cringe. I absolutely cringe. But I had so much fun up there, and my five minutes rehearsed material that I'd been like literally going over in the car all day long, <laughs> I finished at like three minutes 55, I'd gone through five minutes worth of material in three minutes 55 because I was so nervous being on stage that I literally just run right through my material. So with over a minute left to kill, I literally just started doing what I do when I'm doing security, which was just talk to them, just have a laugh, just have some fun. And it worked. And I was so much more free doing that than I was actually stuck to the restraints of my set which I saw as a script, which was wrong. But it worked, and it was such a good gig. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell any of my friends. I didn't tell any any of my colleagues. Steve was the only person that knew I was doing that gig, and obviously the people that booked me in. And on that night as well, there was a DJ in the audience that um, was a regular DJ at one of the venues I worked at. I remember my heart sinking because I got on stage, and I, I saw him, and I locked eyes with him and thought, fuck, If this goes wrong now, I am not going to hear the end of this. But thankfully, I went through with no cards and I was just so happy, like genuinely happy. And this isn't me trying to like brag or have a humble brag or whatever, but I ended up winning the show that night and it was my first gig and it really, really set me off on this false hope of a journey really because my first gig started off so well, I expected every gig to go down like that. 
<laughs> moving forward. But the harsh reality of comedy soon kicked in around gig four. I had a fucking death. Oh my God, my first death, gig four. Jesus Christ. Horrible thing to experience. But that's probably for another episode later on down the line, I'm sure. But yeah, I just wanted to share my first ever experience on stage and what happened. That gig was very special to me and will always, always be in my mind. And I stayed doing comedy for another four years. And some of the people that I started off with, who I was doing open mic nights with around that time, are still going today. They're smashing it. They're absolutely smashing it. If I would have carried on, it would be interesting to see where I'd be up to now. I do feel, though, that Polish Rick was very limited. There was only so far I could have gone with Polish Rick before either politics kicked in or the morality of a English person pretending to be Polish. It was good over 15 minutes. Anything more than that, I felt like I was just doing stand-up as myself, but with a Polish accent. And it started after a while to stop making sense. But I learned so much by doing that, that starting over again as myself, you know, I had such a wealth of knowledge about how the industry works. I'd met so many people and smashed so many gigs as Polish Rick. So, you know, I had good relationships. If I'm being honest, I wanted to use stand-up to open up more doors within the acting industry. I think if I would have started when I was 17, when I was in college, 17, 18, it might have been a different story. I may have continued and I probably more than likely would have continued and really tried, but the way that that first gig went down for me, I had this like false sense of confidence that I was really good at stand-up and it kept me going. And I soon realised that that wasn't the case. You know, I had to learn how to get a gig like that again and how to hone in on them skills. Whereas if I would have done it when I was 17 and I would have had a really bad gig, gig one, I probably wouldn't have done it again. That's why I said earlier, it's not for the faint-hearted. Because them deaths, when they come on stage, <laughs> there's no one to turn to. You're on your own. You've only got your material. And if it's not working, you're fucked. But I had a good excuse as Polish Rick because if I had a bad gig, it was, oh, well, I used to blame them because they didn't get that it was a character act. That was my excuse to make myself feel better. You have to have one. <laughs> so to round off before we end the episode, I wanted to say that Comedy actually worked for me in the end because I got what I wanted from it. I managed to get a significant credit on my CV being Hollyoaks for three episodes, which was like the biggest job I had at the time. And I was like, oh my God. The casting director had saw me on stage. He'd saw me cracking jokes. He was an audience member one night. And I remember when he brought me into the room, he said, the last time I saw you, you was cracking jokes on stage and you was having fun. The role I was going for was literally like a proper menace and villain and horrible person. So the juxtaposition between that of being able to jump into being a horrible twat to also being able to make someone laugh, I feel like it put me in good stead. You know, I showed him that I can do the funnies on the stage and I'm also versatile enough to be able to scare the shit out of you. And that's what I did. Stand-up comedy. Completed it, mate. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Take it easy. Peace!